If you'll turn with me in your Bibles uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 as we continue our study together of God's Word. What a joy is ours. Listen, there's a God who loves us so much that he wants to communicate with us. There's a God who loves us so much, he, he wants to communicate to us to the point where he became one of us, to, to really, for us to get him and for, for, uh, uh, for him to get us. And so as we gather in his name, what a joy to gather under his word. Uh, it's a love letter. And so maybe it's new to you. Uh, maybe uh, you haven't been around God's word. It's an amazing story of who God is and what he's done for us. And what a privilege it is to, uh, uh, to gain insight um, into our great God. And as we do, listen, the more we know about God, the more we know about ourselves. We can't really know ourselves until we know him because we were created in his image. So uh, if you will join me in prayer as we begin, let's just ask him to come and speak through a broken sinner like me. Let's pray together. Oh, great God of highest heavens, great God, creator of the heavens and earth, great God who is the redeemer and the rescuer, the lover of our souls. Oh, great God, come and be with us. Glorify your name through the preaching of the word, through a broken preacher who by your grace loves you desperately needs to hear the message he's about to preach. Father, I pray for your glory and for the health of this church of yours, that the words of my mouth and that the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you, O Lord, my God and my rock and my redeemer. The things that I say that are true and contain the good news of Jesus Christ, use those words to make us more like your Son, our Savior. The things I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May they fall away and be forgotten quickly. Come and be with us so tangibly that you receive glory and that we receive challenge and joy and that we can walk out of here in obedience to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. When I was about seven or eight, I really love going to my older brother's Little League games. Have you been there? And again, I don't think it had anything to do with my older brother's, I say older brother's, older brother's Little League games. I don't think I watched any of them. Really, I wasn't too interested in the game. What I was there for, what was captivating my interest more than anything else, was the free freeze pops that you could earn if you were to go and retrieve a foul ball and be the first one to bring it back to the concession stand. Free freeze pops to all who were able to go and get them. Looking back, I think they might taste a little bit what I think frozen uh, battery acid would taste like. Not quite sure why we were such a hankering for free freeze pops. Probably because they're free. And we didn't have to shell out that whole nickel for a freeze pop. What is it with us with free things, you know? I mean, we go crazy. And I went crazy. Foul ball was hit in this one particular game. Uh, I was the first out of the bleachers, the first on path to the foul ball. Was so excited when I had it in my hand, knowing that soon and very soon I was going to exchange this foul ball for a lovely free freeze pop. About the same time I retrieved the ball, Ricky LeBuzz showed up. Oh, no, here comes Ricky. I knew Ricky. 
He was a little bit bigger than I was at the time. By the time I graduated, I skied over him. But anyway, that's all right. But at seven or so, Ricky was kind of a bully. And he got there and he had a hankering for a freeze pop too. He ripped it out of my hand. And when I started to protest his thievery, he popped me in the nose. And now I was, I had no ball. I had a bloody nose. And I came back to the bleachers, freeze popless. <laughs> with a bloody nose. And that's the picture that my mom saw her baby boy. And she went a little bit ballistic. She jumped out of the stands, out of the bleachers, out of the stands, and found Ricky LaBuzz and promptly spanked Ricky LaBuzz (laughs) right there. (laughs) I, I really think Ricky's probably still scarred about it. I know I am. You know, what moms will do when you mess with their kids? You know, what moms will do when you mess with their kids? I mean, those are fighting words for moms, aren't they? The Apostle Paul is getting himself, he's jumping out of the stands, and he's going to engage in a fight. He's going to engage with a fight with those who are messing with his kids. And his kids is the church at Corinth. You see, the church of Corinth was, was his church that, that God called him to plant and to, to raise up. And so uh, he brought the good news of Jesus Christ to this area, and God did his thing. I mean, he did his thing through a broken apostle like Paul. And Paul preached the gospel, and, and the whole area was a buzz, knowing that God loves us and has redeemed us and rescued us in Christ Jesus. And Paul spent a lot of time there telling him about the beauty and the glory of God seen in the face of Christ Jesus. But then the Christian circus arrived in Corinth. And what I mean by that is it's it's the other people who were preaching a whole different gospel. And they were preaching a different gospel saying, you're really not right with God just through the work of Jesus Christ. You got to do religious things. I mean, you got to get yourself circumcised and you got to follow Moses and you, you got to do this and you got to do that. And what they started to do was bloody the nose and the reputation of Paul. As a matter of fact, this Christian circus arrived. I don't know if they were handling snakes and doing kind of miraculous things, but here's what they said about Paul. I said, this Paul guy, this guy's weak. I mean, this guy's, he's meek. I mean, this guy, have you seen him physically? He's got really a kind of a wimpy stature. I'm being around Paul. Yeah, he writes some pretty good letters and they're kind of weighty. But hanging out with the guy, I mean, the, the dude is a wimp. And, and not only that, he's, he's poor. I mean, who is this guy? And, and then what they're saying about Paul, they're, they're saying he's such a bad apostle that, that he can't even earn a living preaching the gospel. He's got to make himself little tents and make a living. And they started getting into the church of Corinth. And, and listen, Paul could give, could, could really not care a whole lot about what they thought of him. But when they started messing with Jesus, when they started messing with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the church and people were starting to get confused about what Jesus has really done, Paul's jumping out of the bleachers. He's jumping out of the stands. He says, it's time to stand up and fight for the gospel. Well, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul was preaching? It's so important that we start there because really we have to understand this amazing gospel, which means good news of what God has done, not what we do, what God has done for us 
in his son, Christ Jesus. And this, this gospel was such the core of, of Paul's life that he says, for me to live is about Jesus and to die is gain. I mean, the gospel was such a core of his theology and his preaching that he said, I want to know nothing among you except for Christ and Christ crucified. You see, he realized, and he wrote to us by the inspired Holy Spirit, uh, inspiring him. Second um, Corinthians reminds us that God was reconciling the world to himself. Holy God reconciling this sinful world to himself through his holy son, Christ Jesus. He said that Christ has come and, and he lived the life that you and I were supposed to, but we failed to over and over again. That, that he came and not only did he live a righteous life, but he, he died a sacrificial death. And so God can maintain justice and holiness and still be merciful and loving because he took all that our sins deserve and he poured it on his son so that we can be righteous by God's grace in Christ's righteousness. So really, can, we can be reconciled. That's, that's the story of the gospel. It's amazing. That holy God, he's the one, reconciles sinful people through his son. The scripture says that he was reconciling the whole world through Christ Jesus. But there's more. There's more than just the fact that we are reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. It tells us in this, this gospel of Jesus Christ, that now we are God's reconcilers. Now, through the power of the gospel in our lives, as we live our lives, listen, this is crazy, but, but God wants to reconcile the world to himself through us living and loving Jesus Christ, living out the holy uh, the gospel of Christ, that we are now the messengers that God wants to use to reconcile the world. So what does that mean? So now, Church of Jesus Christ, now Orangewood, we are to be the ones who jump out of the stands and engage in the battle against anything that will set itself up against the gospel of Jesus Christ. The text that we are about to read, that is what Paul is saying, that we are to engage in a battle, a fight for anything that sets itself up against what Jesus Christ has done for us. The interesting thing is this. It includes fighting those religious things that are against the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Paul's battle was mostly with the religious folks. The religious folks who said, you know, Jesus was great. And yeah, he did some good things, but we still got to earn our own way. We still got to do our own stuff. It was Jesus plus. That's not the gospel. And Paul was going to fight, says it's Jesus and nothing else. So we had to fight the religious mindset of, of those of us, and it's true of all of us, who want to try to justify our own self standing before God. But not only that, he calls us to, to battle irreligious things as well. The, the worldviews out there that are set up against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, does the world have a world-soaked view that is against Jesus? Is there a world out there that it has set itself up against the knowledge of God? You know there is. And so he's called us to take the gospel and to destroy anything that sets itself up against the good news of Jesus Christ. So now we find ourselves in the midst of a fight. 2 Corinthians 10. The next four chapters, Paul is going to defend himself, but more importantly, the gospel. And those who brought in the religious circus that said that something other than Jesus 
Let's read God's word. We're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 6, now that we have this background. Paul writes, I, Paul, myself, entreat you, I plead with you, interestingly, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm away, I beg you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God. I mean, it's interesting what he's using here. You get this, this imagery of, of destroying anything that raises itself up against the fortress. And the fortress is here is the knowledge of God. And we are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Let us pray. Father, please Let us understand what you're saying to us today. How Paul's battle is really our battle. Show us Jesus. Let us drink deeply from the gospel and call us out of the stands to fight the right battle. We pray in Christ's name, amen. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, you'll see four questions I have listed for you that we have to ask in light of this text. I've actually added a fifth um, that will come in uh, that didn't make the bulletin. But the first question is this. Church, are we fighting the right fight? Are we engaged in the right battle? Uh, I know that life is a battle. You know that, right? Uh, You know how how difficult uh, life can be and how wearisome it is. Does it not feel sometimes like every day we awake to a new battleground? Every day there's something new for us to fight? So we really got to start by asking the question, are we fighting the right battle? Or may we say it this way, what are you jumping out of the stands to fight for? Are we engaging in the right battles or are we just chasing foul balls? Well, of all of our battles, there's really, as God's family, those of us, by his grace, who are his, there's one ultimate battle that we're all to engage in. And the beautiful thing about this ultimate battle for his children that we're engaged to engage in, it's not the, uh, the outcome's not in jeopardy. We battle for a king who wins, who's king of kings and lord of lords. We battle for a king who's already defeated his and our greatest enemies, sin and death. But of all the life's battles that we engage in, really there's one overarching battle that God has called us to engage in. It's for the gospel. It's for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to take the good news of what God has done for us to the little corner of our worlds. Now listen, God, remember what I said through scripture, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. So if you're his, you are reconciled. And now you're to take that good news as an ambassador, as a child of God into the little corner of your world and and, and bring that good news where you go. It's around your dinner table. 
It's in the cubby next to you at work. It's, it's in your own family. It's, it's with your friends. Whatever corner of the world God has called and placed you, the battle in which you are ultimately to be a part of is for the battle of the good news of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of God. Go be salt. Go be light. That is the ultimate calling. We have been given this, this message, and really it needs to begin with the battle of the corners of our hearts. That our, our hearts really need to become what I call gospel-soaked hearts. The battle, to, rea- re- the battle uh, to realize that all we have and all that we are is through Jesus and what he's done for us. It's not about religion. It's not about our standing. It's about his standing. It's about what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. It's letting our hearts be soaked in this good news to the point where we are motivated by love. We respond out of love. We just cannot get over the way the Father lavishes his love upon us in Christ Jesus. We got to battle for our own hearts. You know why we have to battle for our own hearts? Because really we want to stand on our own before God. There's something about the flesh that Paul's talking about that says, you know, I want my own name to be good enough to stand for God. And I, I want God to accept me for my own stuff. Uh, that Jeff Jakes is somehow good enough to stand before God. Scripture lovingly reminds us that our righteous acts are like filthy rags in God's sight. The only way we can stand before him, the only way, is in Jesus. What battle are we engaging in? What are you jumping out of the bleachers and the stands to fight for? Is it the gospel of Jesus Christ? The second thing is, is do you have the right attitude? Do you have the right attitude for a fight? Because Paul's using language here of, of war, of waging war, of, of destroying uh, strongholds, of blowing things up. I mean, it sounds a little bit like jihad, does it not? So what's the right attitude that we should have to engage the world around us, the battle around us for the glory of Christ? You ready for this? Amazing. Here's the right attitude. Gospel-soaked attitudes. It's the attitude of Christ. Paul says, you call me a wimp? You say that I'm poor? You say I'm nothing? Let me tell you, I'm meek and I'm gentle. I mean, the amazing attitude that Paul points to us, this gospel attitude, is that we're to have before God in the the world is to be gentle and meek. That is what God has called us to as a church. Gentle and meek, really? Let's think of Jesus. Jesus is told to us in the gospel of Matthew chapter 11. He said to a group like us who were broken and weary, He said to a group like us who were tired, he said to a group like us that were broken and beat up, he says, come to me. Come to me as you are. Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, all of you who are weary. Come to me and find rest. Why? Because I'm gentle. Why? Because I'm meek. What is the attitude that we are have to enter into the battle that God has called us? It's meekness and gentleness. And the only way we will ever be meek and the only way we can ever act in a gentle manner is if we are soaked in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, meekness is an inner virtue. Meekness is an inner virtue that's grounded in love. 
And what do you mean by that? Well, listen, how can we be meek to a world that rages around us? We are grounded in the fact that God loves us. God has rescued us. God has redeemed us. God will never change his mind about us. God has given us his identity. God has given us his name. God has given us his security. All that God could give to us, he has lovingly given to us through his son, Christ Jesus. Whatever the world can do against us, we're safe in the blood and righteousness of Christ. We now have the joy and the honor of being in peace with a holy God that should produce the fruit of meekness because we know our Savior was meek and we're loved and we can be meek as well. Gentleness. Gentleness is an outward expression. If meekness is an inner virtue, gentleness is an outer expression. Leading with love. We should be known as a people saturated by the love of God who are meek and also who are gentle, who lead with love and mercy. Why? God leads with love and mercy. Do you know that about God? Listen, if God led with justice, we'd be toast. If God led with justice, he'd wipe us out because he's holy God. Good news is that God is merciful. We see that in the face of Jesus Christ on the cross. And now he calls us, the right attitude is Christ-likeness, to be like Christ. My brothers and sisters, we should be leery of anyone who fights for Christ without meekness or gentleness. How's the church doing with that? How's the name of Christianity being seen? Are we leading the fight with meekness and gentleness and being gospel-soaked? I see the same things you do. It seems like we're just all angry. We're just so daggum judgmental. We're such good rock throwers. But God says, now lead with love. Yes, you're going to engage in the battle. But lead with love. So do we have the right attitude? The, second, the third question, do we have the right mindset? Do we have the mi- right mindset? We are to have what Scripture says. We are to have, you ready for this? The mind of Christ. We are to have the, the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. Uh, we are to have an understanding of a Christian worldview. We are to be able to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How in the world can we have the mind of Christ? Only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. But through the word of God. Through the word of God, knowing God's word and his ways. Listen, this is what God is calling us to do. Church, develop a gospel-soaked world view. The world was created for and by Jesus for his glory. The whole world only makes sense through what Christ Jesus has done. Develop a worldview that is so saturated with the gospel that you and I will now be able to leave here and engage the worldviews around us and Pull them down by the power of the gospel for the glory of Christ. What God is calling us to do is to destroy strongholds, arguments, and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of Christ. That's both religious and non-religious. And I just think that we don't really believe it. I think that, you know, we think that maybe the theologians or the pastors or the officers of the church are the ones who engage this battle. 
that really it's okay for you to sit in the bleachers and just soak. That it's really okay for you just to be here, but when you leave there, there's, there's nothing for you. When you leave out here, there's nothing for you to engage in. That's not true, church. Church, we're here to get strengthened, to hear God's word, to go. We're here to take every thought captive. Listen, we're here in a way that we should know the worldviews out there. Study them. Don't be afraid of them. Young people, I hope that you are filled with the love of Christ and go and learn what the world thinks is the right way of living so you can tackle and destroy for the glory of God any stronghold lifted up against the cause of Christ, both religious or irreligious. We know that's not in a political agenda, right? I mean, it seems to be so, many, so much rhetoric with worldviews right now, so much rhetoric about a clear choice between A or B. We know that our hope is not Republican or Democrat, right? We know that our hope is Jesus Christ. We know that our hope is, is, is in the glory of God, that no matter what we hear, we can filter it through God's word, God's truth for the glory of God in battle for him. Are we using the right weapons is the next question. The right mindset, the right weapons. I love this. This is such good news. God is not calling us to fight with earthly weapons. He's calling us to, to fight with what he provides, the gospel that has divine power to blow up any strongholds of the world. Offensively, what are we to use? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says in Romans 1.16. The power of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the power of God. That's, that's how we go into the world and tell them who he is and what he's done. Offensively, all we have is the gospel. Defensively, we're to put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, verses 20 and following. But I love it because it says to us uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 20 through 30, it says that really, the wisdom and the power we fight for from is God's. Here's what I'm trying to say. All you have to be is you. God's not calling you to be smarter than you are right now. He wants you to grow in your grace and knowledge of him. He wants you to get in the word and, and, and know what he has to say. He wants you to be able to defend your faith. But he just wants to use you. You see, the bottom line is you're not going to win your, your neighbors to Christ because you're a good arguer. You're not going to win your neighbors and your, your workmates to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ because uh, you're smart. The way we win the day is by living out the gospel and being faithful. The way we live the day is by the way we love, by the way we love them and the way we love one another. The way we win the day is by being obedient to God and his word in a way that we could stand up for truth unapologetically, pull down the nonsense around us for the glory of God, but trust God to do God's thing. Be you, but be in love with Jesus. Be you, but be gospel soaked. Be you, but know that your standing is in Christ alone and then go and get out of the bleachers and shine for him. Engage your little world for the glory of God. Engage your heart with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Use the only weapons that God has given us. That's the gospel of Christ. Do we have the right goal in mind? Do we have the right goal in mind? What, what is our ultimate goal? I mean, ultimately, are we living for Christ and his kingdom? 
I mean, I think of that, that Ricky LeBuzz story. I mean, I think so many of us, uh, our ultimate reason for living might be our children. And, and are we living for our children to shepherd their heart in the gospel? Or are we living for our children to keep them safe and comfortable? I mean, do we really care more about how our kids act morally? Or do we care a whole lot more about where their hearts are before the Lord? What engages us? What are we getting out of the stands to fight for? Let me ask this question. It's a hard question. We wrestle with it at staff. What do our kids see us battling for? I mean, what do our kids see us wrestling with? So they'll be able to say, my mom and dad, they're passionate about this. Or, or my dad, and I, I just know that it's about the glory of God. What do they see us getting out of the stands for? I think we get out of the stands plenty for them. And sometimes I think we shouldn't. You know, when it comes to uh, battling for the Lord and battling with the world around us for the glory of God, any kind of worldview, you know, I think one of the things that hurts us the most, I just think we're so entertained by the world. I mean, we're so entertained by the worldview. I mean, we love laughing at it. And if we have to discuss it, it's never really engaging them it's more engaging each other the good news about our great god is he doesn't want us to be just boring fuddy-duddy never have fun hate life but he wants us to be able to engage in a worldview that's contrary to the gospel of jesus christ i think what the enemy would love us to do is just sit here soak and not really care And maybe when we see the worldview that's different, sit in judgment or be entertained. We see Christ has come to give us a reason for living. Christ has come to set us free. Christ has come to call us out of the stands and out of the bleachers and call us to go and love a world that's messed up without him. To go and engage them. Engage them. Engage their worldviews. Tear it down for the glory of Christ and the good news of the gospel. Are we just chasing foul balls to get freeze pops? Remember, anything set up against the gospel of Jesus Christ is what we're to engage against. Anything. Could be religious things. Could be political things, irreligious things, but to live for the glory of God. To take every thought captive. Let me give you a few things to think about and and be able to do. What does it mean to take every thought captive as we close? You'll find in your bulletin we've given you today, you can fold it nicely, uh, a Bible reading program. It begins on the 13th of this week. I'm prayerful that many of you, all of you, will accept the challenge that together, let's read God's word. This will get us to Advent if we do it together. Here's what we're going to do. Let's read the Psalms and the Gospel of John together. Let's ask God to help us have the mind of Christ, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So let me challenge you. How do you do it? Get in God's word. Let me challenge you. Get in a community group. 
God made you for community, just like he is in community. Be in a place where you can wrestle. What does that mean? What does God's word say? How do I take my little corner of the world and bring it into the obedience of God through the gospel? Larry and others will be out in the lobby after this. If you are not in a community group, doesn't matter if you're a member or not, let us find out who you are. You need to be in a place where you can wrestle with this stuff and be in a community group for the glory of God. Um, We have something coming up called Discovering Series. We're going to have two classes offered on Sunday mornings during this time. We're going to have Discovering Discipleship. Louise Holzhauer and Larry are going to be teaching a class of how to just do this. Engage those around you with the good news of Christ. A great opportunity for you to go and be a part of this class. For some of you, Christianity might be very new. In two weeks, we're going to have a Discovering Christianity class. So you can wrestle, maybe for the first time, of what is this worldview um, called following Christ. Women, we have a women's ministry that meets three times on Tuesdays. Early morning, uh, mid-morning here at the church. That includes childcare, And in the evening, a great opportunity. Take every thought captive for the obedience of Christ. Uh, men, we have our band of brothers cranking up on Thursday morning. Uh, awesome opportunities for you to get out of the bleachers and to engage in what God has called you to engage in for the glory of Christ. One of our very own, Allison Walker, has gotten out of the bleachers and uh, who says, I'm going to follow the calling of Christ on my life. Be a part of a ministry called International Justice Mission. Go to Africa and stand up and fight for Christ. Allison, where are you? Allison with one Al, uh, Walker. Uh, trained at the Walker Institute of Higher Learning. Is this not a great Walker day? Um, baptized Caleb today. Uh, all six of y'all were, were uh, homeschooled. Uh, hope you like your mom and dad. Uh, one of our own. We should just so rejoice that the gospel in Allison's life is real enough for her to say, I'm getting out of the bleachers and I'm gonna engage for the glory of God. Um, and, and go to Africa and be a part of this great ministry. Maybe God's not going to call you to Africa, but he's going to call you out of the bleachers if you're his. He's going to call you to engage the world around you. Allison, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your obedience. I'm so proud of you, and we'll pray for you. And uh, um, Dan, um, you're like a hero to us. So <laughs> anyway, all right, let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ, this amazing good news of what you have done for us in Christ Jesus. I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that you've forgiven us, and I thank you that you fill us, and I thank you that you call us, every one of us that are yours, to engage in the world around us, our little corner of the world, to bring your light for your glory. Father, I thank you that Allison has a big enough God that she will follow you, empowered by the gospel, to go to the corner of the world called Africa, to a dark nation in many ways, um, and bring the good news of Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for International Justice Mission. We thank you for how they are taking this good news and battling uh, for your glory with justice and mercy. Thank you for that ministry. God, use Allison to be a blessing among them. God, I pray you'd help us to be faithful, to pray for her, to support her, to encourage her. She's one of us. She's getting out of the stands. She's doing it 
And God, it should motivate all of us. Your word says that the young shall lead us. And today, Allison is setting that example. And we thank you for the glory of Christ. God, I pray that your spirit would come with such power. Soak us with the good news of the gospel. That this would be a church, not sitting in the bleachers, but engaging into our community and our world for the glory of Christ like Allison is. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's just say thank you to Allison. It's awesome. Let's stand and sing together.